Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I am now, well, now my person is far away from me. She was just very close to me, but now she's far away from me. My favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Yes. I know that we had talked about on Monday's episode that we'd probably do something fun. We did not. No, we didn't even take a selfie. We just enjoyed the time. (laughs) Yeah. We are literally that meme. We are that meme where it's like two best friends never take selfies together. Mm -hmm. We just sat around and, well, we didn't really just sit around. We did a lot of fun things. No, we went and did stuff. Yeah, we got matching tattoos. (gasps) Yes. They say loca. You all know that we have a, it's like our, what is that? I've been saying it the whole whole fucking weekend. I've been talking about this thing. Where the hell have you been, loca? (laughs) From Twilight. (laughs) It is literally our like forbidden love. Like it's Twilight is something that we love so much. It's like, oh. It's like a guilty pleasure rather than forbidden love. That's what the word I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no. And so we got that. Shout out to my tattoo artist, Ty, if you're in the Sacramento area and you want to get a fun tattoo, hit me up on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I will send you his way. Yes. Or you can look up the Lucky Lotus tattoo salon. Yeah. So today is a stabby, which means Mm -hmm. it's heavily. I'm going to tell you guys a story in case. And I found another show that's new to me. Oh. Not not new to the world because there's nine seasons. That's okay. What is it? And I probably have watched the show before and just (laughs) Just forgot. (laughs) You know that I love Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Uh Uh-huh. So he has another show called Homicide Hunter. I think you've actually done an episode of this one. Or does he have another show? He has another show. It's called American Detective. Okay, just kidding. That's the one you did. Okay, cool. You know how like we say like Paul Holes is like the daddy of true crime? Yeah. I think Lieutenant Joe Kenda is literally the granddaddy of True Crime. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I actually just decided that I was just going to like start watching this and take notes on each episode that's out there. And then I will do stabbies from time to time. So we are starting with season one, episode one of this show. Again, it's called Homicide Hunters and you can watch it on Discovery Plus. I do not have an affiliation with them. No, we just love it. Yeah. Discovery Plus is so, like, it's so great, not only for true crime stuff, but they have a fuck, like, now people are gonna be like, yeah, right, they have an ad. No, we really don't. But <laughs> if you aren't using it, they also have I'm a fuck I'm looking for of- sponsorship in my I life, mean, so if, if Discovery Plus is out there and wants to, to sponsor us, 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're fine with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. But they have a lot of good, like, reality TV. They have all the ghost hunters, all of that great stuff. So lots of fun stuff over there. Food network stuff. Yes. Travel channel. Yes. So it's not just, like, it's not just true crime. So you can get your other joys of your life out there. So season one, episode one, titled Into the Air. On December 21st, 1991, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, my fave place and the place of my I daughter's know. birth. <laughs> it's true, it is. Three Spooked Girls is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever had to put together like a really complicated toy? You know, the kind that looks super easy, like it's going to click together and then it doesn't. And you're scrambling through the box to find instructions and they're just not there. And you begin to panic. Doesn't that kind of feel like life sometimes? Because unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether that's a career change, a new relationship, or being a parent. Having a user manual would be great. The next best thing to that is BetterHelp Online Therapy. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine that is you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. I know with the holidays coming up, I've kind of started thinking ahead and I'm like, okay, I know I might get stressed out, so maybe I should schedule some extra therapy sessions and talk through these complicated emotions with my therapist. And I know that when I do that, it helps me out so, so much. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched over 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be easier. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com spookedgirls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spooked girls. 26-year-old Robin Braggs went into the police station to report her 24-year-old sister, Lorena Laveau, missing. Mm-hmm. She'd been missing for a couple of days. Her mother, Jane Hesser, hadn't heard from her. None of their friends or family had heard from her either. She goes in and talks to Detective Joe Hogan who if you watch the episode, he's through, he'll be throughout the show kind of like talking about different aspects of it. I won't necessarily be like he said, she said, like this detective mm-hmm. did this other than Joe. Mm-hmm. But if there's another detective that's on the show, I will mention them. Okay. You know, you have to give people credit for the work they do. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, nobody and her friends or family had heard from her in 48 hours, which is really unusual because Lorraine has a child. I believe she had a son. They just referred to him as the child, but I remember at one point in time they said, like, her, her young son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her sister Robin said that her Robin's boyfriend had dropped her off at a bar that night and nobody had seen her since. And she was dropped off at a bar called Bumpers. I don't know if that's still a bar there. Because mm-hmm. this happened in 1991, so, like, you know. The year I was born. <laughs> you were baby. So Detective Hogan is like, this seems kind of like a big thing. Tara can tell you that like downtown Colorado Springs is kind of like a big place. There's a lot of bars. There's a lot of activity Mm -hmm. happening. So they were like, we're out of our element and did the right thing and contacted the major crimes unit. And they got a veteran detective on the case. And that would be Joe Kenda. Ah, it's his case. Yay. So he immediately kind of establishes 
what the night had looked like for Lorraine. So she was with her boyfriend, Jerome Harden, her sister, Robin Braggs, and Robin's boyfriend, Anthony Phillip. They were all hanging out because Lorraine had gotten a babysitter and they were just drinking and having a good time at Jerome's apartment. At some point, between like 8.30 and 9, Lorraine was like, I want to go out to the bar. I want to go dancing. Nobody else wanted to go. I've been there. I've been in that moment where like, you're like, let's go do something. And everyone's like, no, just kidding. You get to stay home and do nothing. (laughs) Eventually, Anthony kind of agrees that he will drive Lorraine to the bar. But Anthony is told by Jerome, if Lorraine leaves, we're done. I'm breaking up with her. Like, this Mm -hmm. is done. Mm -hmm. Lorraine is made aware of this, and she still chooses to leave. Now, the next day, she doesn't check in with anyone. She doesn't check in with the babysitter. People start getting worried. But they're like, okay, she's done this a few times where, like, she goes out and she meets somebody and she doesn't come home the the next day, but it's always the second day. Like, she's always in contact. Because, you know, I think she she has a few, like, she has at least three sisters and, you know, a mom who are in the area. So, like, if her child needed to be picked up from the babysitter, she's got backup. Mm -hmm. It's not like she's just going to be out there floating in the world. Right. So when Lorraine doesn't check in with even with her babysitter, Joe is like, this is going to be a big ass case. Like, I need to bring in. So he brings in reinforcement and a lot of detectives on the case. Mm -hmm. And the two questions that they immediately have to answer is, where is she? And who made it happen? They kind of do things in twos because they start focusing on two big aspects of those questions is where was she last seen and those closest to her. They go in and they put a lot of boots on the ground in the downtown area and they start looking. And of course, the first place they go is the bar that she intended to go to, which was Bumpers. Now, Jerome and Anthony and Robin and Lorraine were all regulars at Bumpers. And when you start talking about people in like this kind of an area, like you have to realize that Colorado Springs is a is a military town. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of traffic in and out. So even if you're a regular and someone sees you all the time, they might not, especially when you're talking about as much traffic that goes through there and alcohol being involved, people might not be able to track when you were there. It also kind of does sound like they don't have a security system. It's 1991. They yeah. may not have felt like they needed it. So. They ask around and people can't remember whether or not she was there that particular night, which makes sense because people are at a bar to drink. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that they kind of think of in the downtown area, is she's only 5'5", five five, which is, you know, the average height, but she's 115 pounds. So she's petite. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, what if she got into an altercation? What if she got abducted? You know, that kind of situation. So they kind of are trying to like look around and find her to see if the abduction story, but like no one has seen anything sketchy happening. So they're like, okay, we don't think she was abducted. But Joe, being a seasoned homicide detective, has this feeling that Lorraine's not coming back. Mm-hmm. It's a very creepy thing he says during the show. I'm not going to repeat it because it creeped me out. But like if you watch the show, just know that this might trigger you a little bit, this little oh. moment. <laughs> oh. So they start digging into who Lorraine is, because that might also produce people. Like maybe, you know, because she's a waitress, maybe there's a dude that hangs out at the, the restaurant too much. Or maybe she's got a friend that just kind of has unwanted attention. And they don't really find anything like that, but they do realize that she's got a lot of friends and that she kind of has a dual life. That her life is either super mom or party animal, which I am not shaming. I want everyone to know right the fuck now that mm-hmm. neither Tara nor I shame this life. If you have no. your kid and you're 100% responsible and you got your shit on lockdown, when your kid's there, perfect. If your kid is taken care of with somebody and you want to go out and do whatever the fuck you want to do, best life. Yep. 
So no shame. That's just a mm-hmm. matter of fact within this, you know, within the story is that she kind of had this dual role. So the police are like, okay, she parties. She might go off with people. We're not quite sure what's happening. The family's getting aggressive. Like, where is she? We want to know what's happening. And of course, our favorite, and by that I mean sarcastic, narrative comes out with Jizz. She may have run off with a dude because Jerome and her were fighting. They technically kind of broke up. Maybe she's trying to get back at him and is like, because apparently he was also a jealous person. Maybe she's just off with a dude for a few days Mm. and just hasn't thought to check in. This, of course, pissed the family off because they're like, no one believes this. And the thing is, Joe didn't even believe this. But when you're telling them like all the possibilities, like at this point in time, like you kind of hope she's ran off with some dude, right? Like you hope she's not dead. You hope she's just off with someone. So no one believes it and Joe doesn't because of the kid. I think if the kid hadn't been part of this, the timeline of this story would have been a lot longer. But because that she had that small child, they were like, no, she would have at least checked in with somebody. Yeah, she could be off with someone, but the fact that she hasn't checked in. So time starts going on and the family starts putting up flyers. So it's like Robin and her boyfriend, Anthony, and her family. They go on the news. They plead for a safe return. Or if Lorraine is out there listening to call, you know, that kind of thing. Like the Mm -hmm. kind of the traditional thought. So they're like, okay, we have to find her. What are we going to do? Let's look into this. Let's search the whole county. Now, Tara, you lived in this county. It's a Mm -hmm. large ass county. In fact, they describe it to be the same size of the state of Rhode Island. Did you know that? Fun fact for you. (laughs) Wow, I did not. (laughs) So they're like, okay. This is going to be a huge undertaking. So we're going to do this. We're going to have the sheriffs and everything like searching the county because it's rural, right? There's a lot of like pockets of rural areas in this county. Mm-hmm. I know that in Colorado Springs, people go hiking. It's very outdoorsy, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So they, they have that big undertaking. So they start They're like, OK, we're going to look into the people around her. So it would make sense that you would start with the last person, you know, who has seen her. So they bring in Anthony to like kind of get the timeline. And he has the same story with, as Robin is that they were spending the evening at Jerome's apartment. Lorraine wanted to go out. No one else did. The whole argument thing happened mm-hmm. that Lorraine and Jerome were fighting about this, the whole breakup, blah, blah, blah. And that he was like, you know what? He looked at Robin and was like, can I just take your sister there? He made a point to let them know that he had gotten Robin's consent to take her sister to the downtown area. So they were like, that's all on the up and up, apparently. And he says he pulls in like maybe a block or two, kind of down the street, maybe not like right in front of the bar, but like maybe a block from the bar or mm-hmm. something like that. And while they're driving, Lorraine is just like going off and is yelling and is mad and is quote unquote acting wild. And she's mad for absolutely no reason. She's probably mad at Jerome, but like let's she's mad yelling at Anthony for no reason. And apparently Mm. punches him in the shoulder, which makes him mad. And he knows she's drunk. So he kicks her out of the car and he watches her walk off a ways. And then he drives off, goes to a local convenience store, buys a pack of cigarettes and goes back to Jerome's apartment, which he gets there and then tells everyone this story. Mm. And they all kind of like laugh at it because this is very Lorraine. She gets mad. She gets angry and upset and, and explosive. So they talk to Robin about this. Robin confirms this. Jerome confirms this. Well, actually, I don't know if Jerome confirms this at this time, but like Robin at least confirms that this is something Lorraine does. So they all kind of chuckle about it and whatnot. And so they're like, okay, we now know that she's she's at least impulsive and explosive. She Mm -hmm. wanted to go dancing. She went dancing. She gets mad. She hits somebody. So they're like, okay, we know this about her. Mm -hmm. 
After Anthony, like, leaves and it's been a couple of days, Robin comes back in and is like, hey, I kind of need to tell you guys some other stuff about Jerome and Lorraine. They've been fighting for months, like at least a couple of months. I don't know what about, but it's been very volatile. But what she said is that she believed that Lorraine, like, loved or really, really liked Jerome, but Jerome was only kind of like, meh, about her. There wasn't a lot of love both ways. So she was like, I think this is what caused their fights most of the time is because there was it was only a one way street. Mm -hmm. And she also tells them now because they kind of need to know the rest of the night that happened. Robin tells police that Robin and Anthony actually went home about 1130 that night that Anthony had come back about 10 ish and that they had hung out for like an hour to an hour and a half more and then went home. And when Robin came in, their little sister came in and told the detectives that Jerome had actually told her if Lorraine was dead in a ditch, she deserved it. (gasps) Wow. Right. And then, you know, Joe is like, fuck, this is big red fucking lights flashing at me. Mm hmm. So they pull up his his record and he has a history of violence slash violent things. So he has weapons charges and charges of harassment. So they're like, OK, this dude has a past. And Joe is like, OK, so he and a detective by the name of Brian Holtz go over to Jerome's apartment. Jerome is actually in the military and he lives off base, which makes it easier access to him. However, if he did live on base, they may have gotten their answer a little faster. (laughs) So they go over to his apartment and they're knocking on the door and there's no fucking answer. And then, you know, if if someone was pounding on my neighbor's door a bunch, like waiting, I would have opened the door and been like, can I help you? And so the neighbors did. And they're like, oh, actually, like we haven't seen him in days. Mm -hmm. He may have moved out. We're like really unsure. And so they were like, the fuck? So then they go and they talk to the criminal investigation unit with the army. CIU, and they find out that Jerome has been ordered to go to his relocation to Fort Orion in California, and he had already left. And that this had actually been put into motion well before Lorraine's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a, oops, I killed someone, I need to move to a different con- a different state. Yeah, so that's not how that works. That's yeah, not how no, that it, works. <laughs> no, it, would, it takes a lot longer to go anywhere. I mean, you might move that quickly. You might get told, but like it would have been known. It wouldn't be like a week. So they send someone down to talk to him at Fort Irwin. And they kind of like CIU came in fucking hardcore. They were like, what'd you do? Get mad at her? Slap around a bit? And he was like, no, what the fuck? Like he was like really like taken aback. And they were like, Mm -hmm. he did not like that. So I was like, God damn, Army CIU. Jesus. And so he denies that. And then they confront him about the thing his her little sister said about the whole like dead in a ditch thing. And he's like, I didn't fucking say that. Mm. And so, you know, he's like kind of trying to point them in the direction of they're creating a false narrative about me until the fucker opened his mouth and said this. He tells them that he wanted to break up with her and that her disappearance solved that problem for him. Ew. Fucking ew. Wow. Right. And it was said that Jerome's demeanor the whole time was cold and detached, which could mean that, A, he's, like, maybe a sociopath and killed her and was just like, I don't give a fuck. Or the fact that he's pissed off because people are coming to talk to him about a girlfriend that was just drama and he just wants to be done with this shit. Mm-hmm. Both are not good looks for him. No. No. However, he is extremely consistent from the first time they spoke to him to now. 
His story never changes. And when they asked him, what did you do when Robin and Anthony left your apartment at about 1130? He said, I went to bed. The problem is they can never prove or not prove whether he stayed in his apartment or left. They have no proof. Mm. So they're at a stalemate with this. Right. So then this pushes out to late January. And a woman is out jogging with her dog who happened to be off leash. And her dog wandered down an embankment. And she was like, come here, Fido. But the dog won't leave. So she goes down there and she finds a body of a young female. I am also now convinced that because of leash laws, there are bodies that are undiscovered. Probably. Every single case where a dog has like found a body, it's been off leash. So Mm -hmm. just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So she, you know, gets the police and we know it's Lorraine's body, but at the time they didn't. So it's in a rural area in Colorado Springs. It's not far from Bumper's Bar, and it's in a place called the Sand Creek area. Do you know the Sand Creek area? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, this is a place where the city tells construction crews and construction companies to go dump their, like, when I say their raw waste, I mean, like, concrete, stones, sand, that kind of stuff, because it makes a natural retaining wall for that area, which is, it kind of makes sense. Instead of, like, throwing it in a landfill, they're, like, repurposing it. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of why it's called Sand Creek. And they found the body wedged between two chunks of concrete. And it looked as if it had like fallen into it. And the body was found in just a shirt and bra, no pants, underwear, or shoes. So they were like, okay, there must be some sort of sexual assault happened. Mm -hmm. They find bruising that looks to be inconsistent with the fall. And it also may be trauma prior to the fall. They find a cigarette butt. And they were like, ah, fucking Jerome smokes. They pull open the file. It's not his brand. Oh. So they're like, okay. So then they like expand their, their search out from the 10 feet that they were to 300 yards. And they find her pants, underwear, and shoes. And they weren't damaged, which is inconsistent with sexual assault because most people who are sexual assaulted, their clothes are at least torn. Mm-hmm. These look like they had been either taken off by the person wearing them or consensually taken off by another person. Mm-hmm. So they think she at least took it off. Now, this particular area that she has found is remote and is kind of known for a place where teenagers go to hook up and people go to drink and party. So they're thinking like, oh, she must have gone off to have sex Mm -hmm. with someone. They don't know when, but at some point they did, which means there has to be a car involved because she was supposed to be at the bar two miles away. Now, Tara, Mm -hmm. you lived in Colorado Springs. On (laughs) December 21st of any year, would you want to be walking around? No, it's cold. (laughs) At night, right. It fucking snows there. So they're like, okay, so because of that, she needed to have been with someone in a car. Her mom gets a phone call from a friend who's like, hey, are you watching the news? They found a body of a young female. They haven't said who it is. And her mom starts watching the news and actually sees the footage of them bringing the body bag up the hill. Mm -hmm. In her mind, she's thinking that's Lorraine, but like hoping it's not. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in these kind of situations, like when the people like I was hoping it's not, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. No, I hope it's not too. But like that means another person died in your area. Yeah. Also sketchy. Mm-hmm. So the autopsy comes back and it reports that she had a ruptured spleen, a ruptured liver and blunt force trauma to the side of her face that was either consistent with being punched at least once or multiple times. The spleen rupturing may have been like they weren't sure if it was caused by the fall or maybe something else into her. But like. I saw like a newspaper article that said it looked like she had been like hit in the abdomen several times. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of her injuries were fatal and consistent with the fall. 
Now, because there were no dental records to connect her to, like, it'd be Lorraine, Mm. Jane, her mom, would actually have to come in and ID her. So they pull back the, the sheet and she starts screaming, like, that's my baby, that's my baby. And she, like, lunges to, like, grab her. Unfortunately, because they were still in that ongoing investigation stage, mm-hmm. she couldn't touch her. And like this is something that was like yeah. stuck with Jane. Like she's like, I wanted to touch yeah. her hair. I just wanted to hold her. And like, so Joe had to like grab onto her and he was like holding his shoulders and it started to like affect him. And he says, I one of the things I really liked about this episode is he was talking about how like throughout it, he made a mention earlier, like when they've discovered the body, like he's like, people think that detectives kind of like a short version of this the cliff notes is that people think detectives see a body and they're like unfazed by it they're not he's like we're always phased by it it's just that you have to learn to pivot to move on to catch the person who did it Mm -hmm. i was like okay i appreciate that so he says how he kind of recovered from the situation of her like screaming and falling apart was he had made a decision that he was gonna fucking catch the person who did this to her right so Her body was found about, like I said, two miles from Bumpers, and this made detectives think, you know what, she she had to have known her assailant. Like, she had to know the suspect. So they decide and ask the family, is it okay if they go to the service? Because they have several reasons. They're looking for the anomalies. They're looking for the person who shouldn't be there, that is, or the person that isn't there that should be there. Or they're looking for the person who's, like, overly emoting. Mm -hmm. Or the person who is, like, too stoic like they're trying hard either way the emotions are like looking fake they're also looking for someone who's going to react to the fact that there are two detectives posted outside of this the service and wouldn't you know someone that we know had a weird reaction to this and that would be anthony he wouldn't look people in the eye he was really reserved he wasn't talking to people and mind you this is the same guy that was out there looking for her putting up posters going on the news with her mom so like this kind of set up a red flag However, Joe was not ready to get rid of Jerome as a suspect. So now he has two. He has Anthony and Jerome. The autopsy report also said that she was, in fact, killed December 19th. So it was the last night anyone saw her. So they bring Anthony back in to talk to her. Because, again, you know, like I just said, like a second ago, he was on the news with his, her mom, was putting up the flyers and everything. So they start questioning, like, okay, we need to know some more stuff. And kind of that first lie that happens He starts arguing with his own previous statement, which is that Lorraine and Jerome were fighting. Oh, he's saying that's not what was happening. And they're like, but you said this in a previous statement. And he was like, no, your officer must have taken that down wrong. Very few times in history do officers take something that big down wrong. Mm -hmm, Right. And if it is, it's doctored. Just going to call that out. But we're talking like someone might say like, oh, they were on K Street and really they were on like L, which, you know right near each other you know something like that they may take it down wrong like that kind of thing not something like oh they were fighting that's a whole fucking sentence not like one little thing so because of that they were like okay he's fucking obviously lying to us inconsistencies have started but there was no evidence on the body like there was no like fluid or anything like that so they had nothing to compare it to so they had to release anthony so they know they think anthony or jerome no proof either one killed her So they go, okay, the one thing we do have confirmed by multiple people that night is the time frame. Jerome, Robin, and Anthony said that they left at 9 o'clock and that Anthony got back a little after 10 p.m. Detectives drove the route that he took because he had to tell them, and it took them on average round trip 
17 minutes. Anthony was gone for over an hour. Mm. So, like, there's at least a 45-minute window where we're like, where the fuck is Anthony? And they, mm-hmm. they literally drove this, like, I'll talk about it in a minute, but they drove it several times. So they bring both men in to do a polygraph test. And I know you guys are going to be like, polygraph tests are not admissible in court. It's, it's 1991. Also, I mean, even in 1991, <laughs> they weren't really admissible in court. But I think this was like, no, 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 no. But I mean, like, it was still a thing during this time. Like, they didn't full on be like, fuck this shit until later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, cops still did it everywhere. Right. And they still do it because they want to trip people up. That's why they do it. Because it stresses them out. So Jerome goes first and they ask him questions. They ask questions like, are you responsible for her death? Did you kill her? Mm -hmm. So Jerome was consistent the whole time. He was like, no, I had nothing to do with it. No, I didn't kill her. No, no, no. But he also could be a sociopath because remember, he was cold and distant before. Now, Anthony gets up and they ask him a question. They ask him the question, are you responsible for Lorraine's death? And it fucking boom triggered. Now, when I was watching the episode, I wrote my little rant down before I watched the end of the episode. And I was like, it could be because this is what I was thinking. If I like you and I were hanging out and you're like, hey, I want to go to a bar. And I'm like, I don't. I'm going to drop you off. And then you go and you disappear and you get murdered. I would feel responsible for you being out by yourself at night. Mm-hmm. So at first I was like, well, maybe it's still Jerome, but he feels triggered because, yes, he I've watched the end of the episode. I know who killed her. So like. But I wanted to know, I wanted that side to be out there in case someone was, well, maybe I thought about mm-hmm. it. I just want to point out. Yeah. And also they're like, okay, this tripped him up, but like this won't hold up in court. So we have to get a confession. And Joe is like, okay, fuck this. I'm playing mind games. I'm coming after them. I'm going to fucking psych them out. And he does because he basically tells them, hey, I need biological samples from both of you. We all know the dramatic irony of it. Is that there is mm-hmm. no body, there's no biological samples to test it against. But if right. you're in your mind thinking, shit, 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 you might be like, fuck, I don't want to give that up, or you might start acting weird. So he does, when he does this, he brings them both into the same room. Oh, to say that To say that Granddaddy Joe is a baller is an understatement. We're going to get real, <laughs> we're going to love him for a lot for a minute. So Jerome <laughs> is consistent. He, he gives up the sample. Anthony's acting weird. So that's kind of consistent. But Joe goes right in and is like, one of you two? I pictured it like this. I'm sure this didn't happen this way, but this is how I would write the script, is that he was, they, he was standing across the table from these two guys, and he was like, one of you two fuckers killed her. That's what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> you know? And Jerome yeah. pops off. He gets fucking pissed. He's like, fuck you. I don't, I mean, I don't know that this is how this transpired, but this is how I feel like it transpired. Mm. I didn't kill her. I had nothing to fucking do with it. Bullshit. You guys keep dragging me in the mud. I was trying to break up with her. I don't want this drama. And Anthony is like the opposite of that. He's quiet and he's kind of freaking out and he looks nervous and he kind of looks like he wants to cry and he is, you know, like distancing himself from the table. Like there's all this shit that's happening and he's just fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. And Joe is observing all of this. So baller ass Joe goes, you know what, Jerome? I believe you. In fact, I believe you so much, you can go home. So Jerome is like, fuck yeah, gets up, goes to walk out. And Anthony pops up like he's going to walk out too. And they're like, oh, no, no, sir. To clarify, only hmm. Jerome can leave. Not you, ho. And he was like, oh, shit. So Jerome, <laughs> like, if I'm Jerome, I'm skipping out all the way back from Colorado to California. I'm like, I didn't kill her. <laughs> You know, like, that's literally what's happening. Yeah. So then they kind of come down hard on Anthony. 
And they're like, okay, let's point out your inconsistencies. First, you tell us they're fighting. Then you walk that back. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck. Then Mm -hmm. you tell us it takes you an hour to drop her off. Because that's the timeline confirmed by two other people other than yourself. Right. And he's like, yeah. He goes, it's funny how my detectives drove it at different times, different times of day, you know, nighttime, whatever. They drove it over 10 times. And on average, it took them 17 minutes. They drove it when there was traffic. They drove it when there was no traffic. They drove it at nine o'clock at night. They, they did mm-hmm. all this shit. Mm-hmm. 17 minutes round trip. And that was confirming stopping at the gas station to get a pack of cigarettes. Because there was no line at the counter. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. he had to wait 20 minutes. Like, we've all been at the gas station. Like It's either in and broken. out or it takes a fucking year. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. But, like, this wasn't the case. And uh-huh. he's like, it's odd. That my detectives consistently did this. You did it one time and it took you over an hour. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, Anthony just like looks away from Joe, breaks eye contact. It's just like he's starting to get upset. There are tears in his eyes. And he looks back up at Joe and he goes, how much trouble am I in? Ooh, you murdered somebody, sir. The fuck? Okay, well. Oh, no. Murder was the case they did not give him, to quote. A famous rapper. So they're like, fuck, we got our guy. And Joe says another baller move. He goes, you're in trouble. Lorraine is dead and you made her that way. You better convince me of what happened and don't you Mm. dare lie to me. Yeah. So he tells the story. He tells them as they leave, Lorraine and him decide they're going to drive to this remote area to talk. They're just going to talk. Lorraine's upset. She wants to cool down. She wants to vent. Anthony is a kind, wonderful human who wants to help her get through this. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And apparently when they get out there, Lorraine is like, I have another idea. Let's fuck. And she takes off her pants and her underwear and her shoes. And Anthony is like, no, no, ma'am. I am with your sister. I love your sister. I cannot have sex with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened. But then apparently she gets out of the car, sans pants and shoes, and they start fighting. Oh. And according to him, they're shouting at each other. And mind you, this is really remote. There's nobody around for like right. a couple miles. And they're shouting at each other and she punches him in the shoulder and is like, I hate you. Fuck you. Blah, blah, blah. And he gets really mad and he punches her in the face real hard. Like he just decks her. And when he does, she takes a tumble down the hill. So then he like is like, oh, shit. So he goes down and looks because him, like, did you go look? And he said, yeah, she looks dead. And then. He gets back in the car, starts to drive, realizes her clothes are in there, throws them out the window, and leaves. Drives back to Jerome's house, where his girlfriend is waiting. Her sister. Right. That's also the Mm -hmm. His girlfriend, her sister, is waiting. Her boyfriend, there. And tells them that she just punched him in the shoulder, and he kicked her out of the car, and, like, ran home. Mm. And then he came home. So then he asks Joe... Because Joe was like, the fuck? Like, you helped look for her. You were on the news with her mom. Like, what the hell? And he's like, what could I have done? And they're like, how about tell the truth? Because if this is the truth, like, if this is the true story, if this is what happened, that's not murder. It's manslaughter. It was an accidental death. A violent thing happened and someone accidentally died. It's like mm-hmm. if you and I are standing on a cliff and you push me on accident and I fall off the cliff and die, you did not murder me. You manslaughtered me. If you fucking Spartan kick me off that cliff, that's murder. <laughs> I'm just Sorry, saying. I, just laughed. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I got you. So he's charged with manslaughter, which he was convicted mm-hmm. of, and he was sentenced mm-hmm. to six years. And he was released after only serving three. So that was 92, so like mm. 95. He was out in time for The Lion King. That's literally wow. like when you think of things. He wasn't, it wasn't that long. No. Her family fucking hates him because they were well, like, yeah. he was the boyfriend, like the, like the brother-in-law boyfriend type person who was, if you need something, I'm fucking there for you. You need me to go put gas in your car, I'll go put gas in your car. You need groceries, I'll go get you groceries. Whatever you need, yeah. I got you. So it wasn't mm-hmm. uncharacteristic that he would have taken her to the bar. Like, that's true. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. The one really big issue I have with this is timing still doesn't fucking work for me. You're telling me that, like, you drove to the bar or you drove to this remote location, which is only two miles away from the bar. So could only, Mm -hmm. let's say, possibly add, let's add an extra 10 minutes to this. What the fuck were you doing for the other 39 minutes or 35 Mm -hmm. minutes? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't believe you. I mean, maybe he was, like, sitting in the car trying to, like, pull himself together because he just, you know, punched his girlfriend's sister down a hill. But like, I don't like I'm still in this like mindset of like the fuck. And to be able to go back and just be like, oh, we got into a fight and she punched my shoulder. I'm a victim. The fuck. You left her for dead. So it might be that she died. She, you know, she had a ruptured spleen and liver and like other fatal things. It could have killed her like pretty instantaneously. Mm -hmm. or. Here was the thing, just assault. You're not going to spend more than six months in jail, probably. Especially like if it comes out that you both were drinking and that Mm. she tried to attack you sexually and you were away. But like, dude, I don't believe you're, I don't believe the whole story. No. My unprofessional opinion is that they went out there, they were hooking up, and he got a guilty conscience was like, dude, we can't do this. She got upset. She hit him a bunch of times. She, I think he punched her several times. I don't think it was just one punch and she fell down a hill. I think Mm -hmm. he punched her several times and she fell down the hill and then he, because other, still, the timeline wouldn't add up anyway. So with that, that's the conclusion is that he served three years in prison and something Jane, her mom said, was that, you know, she feels he should have gotten a life sentence because she has to deal with the life sentence of missing her daughter, which I was like, I get that. This wasn't one of those situations where like an accident transpired, but you chose to cover it up. Like you could have just not covered mm. it up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. I probably will do more of the I will do more of these because I like yeah. the show. So be prepared. Again, you can watch it on Discovery Plus. If somebody knows anyone at Discovery Plus who would like to sponsor this, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh my God. Happy. Hey, Jesus. you got to always be plugging. <laughs> and Tara just rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> With that, we're going to go ahead and sign off for the day. So we will see you guys back here on Monday for another episode. Mm, bye. Toodles. Toodles.